0: or tell that person in high school how much you liked them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decision or moment changed the course of their lives and how things might have looked if they had never happened.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
2: With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com.
0: My guest today is Giselle Laponte-Moore. Giselle is a trauma-sensitive meditation teacher, described by British Vogue as the woman redefining spirituality for the millennial crowd and is the author of Take It In, Do the Inner Work, Create Your Best Damn Life. Her work focuses on experiential remembering and how to be with ourselves, each other, and the planet. Giselle grew up in a Catholic church and was always curious about life beyond her skin and the law of attraction. She spent 13 years working in creative industries as a writer in fashion and beauty, then making the transition to the spiritual guide and Reiki master teacher, with her clients ranging from 18 to 80 from all around the world. Her book, which was a huge success, offers a no-nonsense approach of controlling our inner reality, showing that in life, where we often feel disconnected from who we really are, the solution is everyday spirituality. She has helped so many people around the world, utilising her special spiritual connection to spread the message of your inner superpower. And I can't wait to find out all about her what-if moments. So welcome to Sliding Doors, Giselle. Thank you, so excited to be here. I can't wait to chat to you. Um, I have to remember that this is a podcast and I've got so much to talk about. I could probably <laughs> chat so many things to delve into and ask you. And we actually also just realized that we've met before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to one of your mystic um, circle moon events, which I still mm-hmm. remember so well. We were like on a, like a, a rooftop, but enclosed rooftop with the yeah. m- full moon shining in. And it was amazing. I still remember it.
2: Yeah. That's like our sliding door moment.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. That's how I first kind of um, was introduced to you. And I wanted to start by, I've kind of said a lot about what you do, but do you want to describe in your own words who you are and what you do? Because I think it's, you know, for some people, they'll hear all these words and won't really connect to it. So do you want to kind of simplify it for our audience?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, the mediums that I do in my work change. So I might be writing a book or I might be doing a workshop or a talk, or I used to do one-to-one sessions. And I think the goal of all of them was to help people to return back to themselves And it sounds like a really weird like turn of phrase, but for me, it really means how can we get back to who we were before the world told us who we should be? Mm -hmm. And I think when we're growing up, we get hit with so many messages of, you know, this is what like a pretty girl looks like. This is like how to be this and do that. And these like the kind of jobs you should get. And underneath that, just like a very authentic hole in your worth person up, we just forget how to connect to that so it's not about like becoming someone like being self-optimized and like perfect and doing like hot girl walks and like drinking green juices it's just simply about like returning back to who you really are
0: yeah oh, I love that I think it's such a it's it's life is a lot more simple than I think we make it out to be sometimes. And it is about mm-hmm. like, we have everything we need within us. And when did you kind of first realize your spiritual connections and how does everything work for you? Um,
2: I think when I was like quite young, so I was a child. And I think the first time I realized was when my paternal grandmother in Trinidad died. And I just knew I was in class and I just had this really strong sense that she died. Really? And I went home and my dad, my dad told me that she did. and I was just like, what the hell is this? Oh my gosh. And like, I was obsessed with, like, Sabrina and stuff. Oh, same. And (laughs) and you think to yourself, (laughs) when you realise you can do things, it's going to be so fun. It's, like, it's absolutely terrifying. So I just realised then, like, okay, something's a bit weird and I would have all these, like, dreams when I was a child um, of, like, premonitions of things that would happen. And I just kind of just, like, threw it away. I was just like, this is not cute. Like, I want to be like everyone else and, like, play with boys and run away from them and
0: and go to fashion school
2: 100%. (laughs) So I just ignored it until I got a bit older.
0: Wow and then I mean I'm someone that definitely you know I think everything in the world is magic I think how our bodies work is magic the fact that we're here is magic that actually you know nothing is impossible so Mm -hmm. I guess did did you find it hard to kind of really develop that as you say like when you're younger you're probably like what is this weird thing and was it kind of a hard journey for you to get yourself through?
2: I think it was interesting because I think I never, ever thought that I was special. I never mm-hmm. thought that I could do something anyone else could do. And I think that was, it has been how I've seen all of my work still to this day. I don't know more than anyone else. I can't do anything different to anyone else. It's just simply a case of being open and knowing that you can do it. And I think because I had those really early experiences, I was like, oh, there's just like more to life than I think mm-hmm. I was told at school. Yeah. And, but as I got older, I was just like, everyone can do that. Everyone can have access to like, things beyond what we think is possible it's just simply a case of remembering that we can do it
0: and obviously everyone can have it at different levels like yours is probably quite high but then you know that doesn't mean that someone that doesn't feel the strong connection that you do can't also tap into other elements of it
2: yeah and like I stopped like connecting in terms of like premonitions and stuff when I was like 10 like I didn't I was just wasn't interested I had Mm -hmm. I didn't really like the idea of like psychics and mediums I was just like I don't need to know what's going to happen So I just consciously said, like, I'm just, I don't think I need to know that. Um, But what it did teach me was, oh, if I need help, I can believe that there's more out here for me and other people.
0: Yeah, amazing. And I mean, as I said, I've always been interested in it. And I guess a lot of people have a very preconceived idea around spirituality and, you know, hippies and sitting there and Mm -hmm. chanting. And how do you, I think a lot of your book is about this, but how do you kind of really try and get rid of that stigma for people that, you know, are probably listening being like, oh, here she goes, another kind of spiritual life coach person that can tell me what's going on. How do you kind of change that perception in people?
2: I just feel like spirituality has become like super exclusive and we're just like a nation of skeptics which I'm obsessed with (laughs) it's like but we had to be right like we live in a world that is like really brutal to live in so why would we believe in all these magical stuff like we've been taught that like life is really rough for most of us so for me spirituality is simply like everyone here is a spiritual being because you just live on this planet you don't have to believe in anything you don't have to know how to do tarot or believe in like moon rituals or magic, you're just a spiritual person because you are a human being. Mm-hmm. Like if you saw the um, pictures that NASA released of the galaxy last week or the week before, if you just look at where we are, oh, you, can't, like, you, can't, <laughs> you can't convince me that we're not spiritual beings.
0: I can't. Whenever I think of the universe, it's the one thing where I'm like, I, it just sends me into this crazy spin because I'm like, yeah. what are we part of? I don't get yeah. it.
2: It's insane. Like, if we can situate ourselves in like galaxies in the universe and like we're in like this weird planet, like it's absolutely insane. It's like, of course we're spiritual. So that was, that's what real spirituality means to me. It's not about all the things that you do. It's not about astrology or wearing like linen dresses. Like it's just you living your life and having mental, physical, emotional and spiritual experiences.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I wanted to ask as well, something that's kind of a bit more personal to me, but I am a very vivid dreamer. I literally remember my dreams every single night. And I know a lot of people out there do as well. How do you kind of, what's the connection do you think between kind of that, that level of our kind of conscious and unconscious being with dreams? And as you say, for you, it was a sense of premonitions, but you know, do you think that has a connection to our spiritual side as well?
2: Yeah, totally. So in the book, and um you might hear this in the other spiritual terms, like there's something called like the clair senses. So the most common one is like being a clairvoyance when you can see things. Um, but there's honestly so many different ones. And when you have like a vivid dream or you remember your dreams very very vividly, it just means that your most dominant sense is sight. So mm-hmm your intuition will kind of always come through with like visions, dreams, imagining just like seeing stuff. But for some people, like for myself, it's through just like knowing something or hearing something. Yeah. And what it does is just like allows us all to see that like connecting to whether it's spirit or our intuition will just look very different for each of us. Mm -hmm. So once you can kind of sense like, oh, I always see things coming, then that means that like that's the best way for me to trust my intuition yeah but for some people it's like a sensation in their physical body like you know that gut feeling of like yeah. oh, I need to leave now uh-huh. <laughs> um, it's like that could be your most dominant sense but I think when we all believe that there's like a certain way that we will all know information and trust our intuition then we just put so much pressure on ourselves so it just works with every person very differently
0: yeah oh god I could talk about dreams forever um <laughs> but I also wanted to ask so for everything that you've done you've helped so many people what has been the most fulfilling moment of your kind of career life so far
2: Um, I think it was when I submitted my book and I made sure that I put like lots of like client examples and stories in the book. And it just really felt like this beautiful moment of, oh my God, I have like done a lot of things and spoken to Mm -hmm. so many people because this doesn't feel like work to me. It's just the most joyful, rewarding work in the entire world. So I often forget, like when I've seen like eight clients in a day, I'm like, why am I tired? (laughs) <laughs> and then I realised like what I've been doing um, but I think when it's all all the information like all of my teachings the way that I see the world and my clients experiences from the way that I see the world just felt like oh my god this this just feels really nice to be able to just, like connect with so many different people all the time.
0: Yeah and I feel like it's definitely kind of why you've been put on the planet is to do this and help other people and do you ever do you ever need to have your own downtime from everything? I mean, like obviously doing this all the time can be quite mentally draining. Um, what do you kind of do to release that and kind of chill out and make sure that you're looking after yourself?
2: It's really hard. I think like naturally most people who do this work, we're like really good like caregivers I and mean, we're not really great at caring for ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've had to really put in like a lot of boundaries with myself and make mm-hmm. sure that even as much as like I'm enjoying it, it's still, like a lot of energy that I'm giving to people. So I always just make sure I spend a lot of time like doing nothing. Like yeah. people always assume that I work really hard, and like I don't work that hard. I'm normally just like watching Love Island. <laughs> are we all? Like that's what I'm normally doing. And I think like I just need it so I can have lots of energy to kind of give back.
0: Yeah, but I talk about this a lot. Like I think when you're someone that has a good work ethic, you think that every day you've got to give... 120% and be running, 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 but it's actually not. It's about being time efficient and the time that you do have using it efficiently so that you can sit. I mean, mine is like sitting and watching the Kardashians. I, yeah. you know, it switches me off and it means that I can recharge my brain. So no, I'm hundred percent with you on that. And before we talk about your sign doors moments, I'm so interested to see what your answer is going to be to this question, but what do you believe when it comes to the sliding doors theory? So the theory mm-hmm. of kind of everything happens for a reason? Do you think it's fate? Do you think it's timing? Do you think the things that happen in our lives are coincidence? Do you think it's all written for us? What are your personal beliefs? So I think that everything happens as a means for us to grow through something
2: and to learn something. So like, I'm kind of like 50-50 with if something's fate or if it is like based on our free will. But what I do definitely believe in is whatever our lessons were here, our purpose here, Right. Was here to learn or to grow through something. So each of us, I do believe, has our own like unique um, purpose or like a series of lessons that we're here to learn. Mm -hmm. So, whatever life experiences will help us to learn it, that's what I think the sliding doors are. So, for me, for example, if I was here to learn about how to look after people, to care for people, to help them, then all of my sliding moments will be all the things I need to learn to get to that. Yeah. So, I really do believe they're more just like the lessons of how to be here and how to grow.
0: Oh, I love that little explanation. I think you're right. Like, I think, yeah, it's everything that we do doesn't necessarily mean it's predetermined, but we Mm -hmm. grow from the good, we grow from the bad. And actually, Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, knowing that everybody does have some purpose of being on this earth Mm -hmm. and figuring what that purpose is is really important and interesting. Um, I love that answer. That was a great answer. Um, so onto your Slang Dolls moments themselves. So your first one is, um, while on holiday in New York in 2011, I went to a listening party at a recording studio that my girlfriends and I debated going to. That night I met the man that I'd end up being in an emotionally abusive relationship with for seven years, which prompted much of my inner healing and life in New York. So from reading this I instantly get drawn to the fact that you said you debated going because I think this is what makes it a real sliding doors moment but also thank you for sharing this because it must be quite hard to talk about this moment but it did really kind of shape your life for you so do you want to explain what happened that night and how this was a whole sliding doors moment for you
2: Yeah, so uh, me and my girlfriends went to New York just like on a girls' holiday because I was planning to go to do my master's degree in New York the year afterwards. So Mm -hmm. I just went as with my friends, just like scope out areas I want to live in and go to the different universities. And it was my friend's birthday, and we're like, we have nothing to do, and there were these like boys next door who just like hang out in the garden like drinking, and they were just like not our kind of guy but we were yeah. in the middle of nowhere in Brooklyn and we was like we're not traveling to the city every night to be like sex in the city girls <sighs> so we just like entertained these guys we should not be entertaining and they said that oh we're going to like record some music I was like what a cliche I was gonna like, say
0: I didn't even know what a listening
2: party was <laughs> I was like what a cliche like making music I was like so embarrassing <laughs> <And> <laughs> so my friend was like oh I don't think we should go I was like yeah I just think it's gonna be just like these guys like trying to be like wannabe rappers like there's no point us going we've got cute outfits like let's not go so we spent honestly about two hours saying like should we go should we not go it might be fun and they called and said just like come okay so eventually we're just like sure let's just dress up and go it'll be a laugh and we went and it was after honestly like three hours of like
0: discussion uh, that's amazing I didn't even realize you'd spoken for that long about deliberating whether to go
2: yeah we just thought like I mean, if we definitely thought we were Sex and the City girls. Yeah. So and imagine wasn't a vibe. it just was not a vibe, <laughs> and it's just like that really like embarrassing. Like everyone wants to be like a rapper, and I was just like, "This is you're just not the groupies." A hundred percent. It's very embarrassing. Um, so we decided to go, and as soon as we got to the studio, this guy came out. Here's my uh, my now ex boyfriend, and he was really really drunk, but he was just really funny, mm-hmm. and. I don't drink alcohol and I never have done. And I was just really intrigued by the fact that he was so drunk. And we spoke the entire night um, and he just really made me laugh. And I remember mm-hmm. I went home and we, we swapped like Facebook um, names as we did in those days. Yeah. And I said to my friend, like, he wants to see me again. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to go because the man was very drunk. Yeah. I was like, he's not a cat. And then I said to her, well, I'm not going to marry him or anything. So sure, I'll just have a little holiday fling. yeah. And then seven years of hell later, here we are.
0: Wow. And how did, so, I mean, I think this is very much one of those things where it sounds like out of like a horrible situation, mm-hmm. kind of like growth can come, as you said. Yeah. Um. But then how did you, did you move to New York because mm-hmm. of him? Like, how did kind of that relationship fully change the path that you were on before you mm-hmm. met him?
2: Yeah, so I was always planning to move to New York to go to school so um, when I got back from the two weeks that I was there when I met him we were in a relationship and the plan was that I'll move back there for school and then he'll just be my boyfriend as like a part of that package deal and it was great you know we were long distance for like a year and we've got like a really strong deep connection so I got really attached to him and I think looking back in hindsight I wasn't seeing his behavior right like I wasn't seeing mm-hmm. how he was every day because it was long distance so when I moved back there for school he was like my everything I didn't have any family there I was like 22 when I moved yeah. so I was like super young I hadn't left home before and I noticed like quite quickly that he was um, like he was an alcoholic Yeah. and part of um, when he would be drunk was when there was like a lot of emotional and mental abuse so whether it was you know name calling or shaming me in front of people. It was just really hard. And I had no idea that what abuse was, right? Because yeah. I think, you know, when we're growing up, and I think even now for a lot of women, we just believe that physical abuse is the only kind of abuse. Um, so I had no idea for honestly, about six years that that's what was happening.
0: Wow.
2: And it changed the course of my life in so many ways, because I just got very attached to him. I think when you're in an abusive, controlling relationship, that's exactly. the the purpose of it is you get really attached to somebody so whenever the abuse happens I was still like well he's really great when he's not doing that or when he's not drunk he's he's amazing the perfect boyfriend so I spent a lot of those years like desperate to move back to the US Um, so even when I did come back home after my degree finished I was just like desperate to move back there and it was the biggest lesson for me in if you're not happy inside you won't be happy anywhere yeah, And I was so convinced when I got back to London, I was like, I hate London, London's so disgusting, I need to be back in New York with my boyfriend. And when I did finally move back the last time, it was awful, you know, the abuse got worse, um, his alcoholism got worse, and I realised that New York could never make me happy, I needed to work on myself first, mm-hmm. and that was like the aha moment of, it's such an inward journey. I can move to any city in the world, I can have any boyfriend or any job, but unless I really looked at my stuff, I'm never going to find my peace.
0: Yeah, I think that's such an important message. And do you think, when were you kind of aware of your unhappiness? And was it like, did people around you notice and kind of that helped? And when was the light bulb moment of actually, I need to get out of this, this isn't right for me?
2: Um, I think it was really tough, because I think I intuitively always knew. Yeah. And that's what felt really tricky is when you know something, but you're so afraid of doing anything about
0: it that you just stay in it. And I think girls can be very afraid of being single because you're just like, being single isn't great. And then you're like, I just need to stay in a relationship.
2: No, and I think what was also hard when I spoke about this in the book was everyone in his life was, you know, guilting me into staying it was very mm. much like well if you leave like what will happen to him and you're the best things ever happened to him and he can't live without you and that was it was so much pressure yeah and I listened to those voices before I listened to myself and the aha moment came I think when I was back in this is one of my next sliding door moments when I was back in the UK and I was with him in LA and I just sat back and I really reflected and it was a full moon I remember it very vividly and wow. I was just like I can't do this anymore.
0: Yeah,
2: I just had this huge rush and wave of like self-worth because of some of the stuff I was starting to do. And I just thought to myself, if he was my son, I wouldn't be proud of him.
0: That is a very good way to think about it.
2: Yeah. Or like if my daughter was going to date him, I wouldn't want her to date him. And I was Mm -hmm. like, if I would want that for like my future children, then I wouldn't, I shouldn't do that for myself. Um, But it was a huge amount of inner work that took me to get there to that point of realization that I deserve more.
0: Yeah. And I guess you spoke about kind of how this prompted your inner healing. And Mm -hmm. as we said, I think we learn a lot from these experiences in life and they're not great when we go through them, but we can reflect back and they Mm -hmm. make us the people that we are today. So how did you then start the healing process after the relationship that kind of Mm -hmm. made this into that kind of like better sliding doors moment for you?
2: Yeah, I think I had this real, it was like Um, I don't know if you know, like the Saturn returns thing in astrology, but like I was Mm -hmm. going for my Saturn return exactly the same time. And my whole life just like went to absolute shit. So I broke up with him. I cut all of my hair off. It was like a very big moment. Um, I left my job just one of the other sliding doors moments. And I just had this crisis of faith. I was like, this surely can't be why I'm here. Like there Mm -hmm. has to be so much more to life than this. And what will happen if I just take a look inwards? And I think because I had that spiritual background from being a child, I learned how to meditate in New York because I had really bad anxiety attacks. I was kind of like in these like breadcrumbs of wow, my mind my body are really connected. Mm-hmm. So if I keep following that path, I really look at all of my stuff. Why was I attracted to him? Why did I stay for so long? Um, why did I not see? Why did I have low self-worth? Um, why did I always want to be in a different place where I was? Like I just had so many questions I wanted to answer. And that was this precipice of maybe if I go inwards it will have a result on my external life. And it did.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, something that I struggle a lot with is, is that we always just kind of want someone to care about us and be mm. there for us. And I think that is where we often stay in relationships longer because we don't want to be on our own and we don't, you know, we feel mm. like that's what life should be. And do you feel like this has really helped you in terms of future decisions when you make stuff Mm -hmm. to be stronger. And like, you know, everyone always says out of our heartbreaks is what kind of Mm -hmm. builds us and makes us realize kind of who we are. And do you you really believe that this relationship happened for that reason?
2: A hundred percent. I'm honestly like in hindsight, so grateful that I learned what I did from it because I just see dating and love and marriage and relationships in such a different context. Mm -hmm. I've really learned how important it is for you to be a whole person before you meet somebody else and that is vital that they too are a whole person and being whole doesn't mean that you're healed or perfect or that you have everything together it simply is that knowing that you deserve to be here that knowing that you're enough and that you can have a really whole life without that from somebody else like I really believe that I wouldn't be whole without him I didn't think I'll be whole without you know a really fancy life in New York I didn't think I'll be whole without a job but knowing that wholeness is like an inside job changes everything.
0: Yeah. Oh, you're speaking to my soul here. I love that. And I guess one thing I want to ask you is, do you ever think, I mean, because you said you spent two hours deciding whether or not to go to this party and this guy was fully random in your life. You'd never met him. He wasn't even, I don't think, with the boys that were next door to you. It was someone totally different. So do you ever think what happens if you hadn't have gone to the party?
2: Yeah, all the time. Really? All the time. I spent so many years thinking to myself because it was just such a weird situation yeah we would never our lives would never ever ever have you know intertwined at any point We we were complete polar opposites me and him and it was just the weirdest thing in the world and like if one of us was ill we just said no I would never have met him and my life would have been absolutely different
0: so different and I guess we can't really think what would have happened but mm-hmm. I think it's just the realization of knowing how different it would be mm-hmm. and knowing the things that you learn and I also just wanted to ask you if there is anyone listening that's going through something similar mm-hmm. um what kind of advice would you give to them from knowing what you've been through
2: yes I think the most helpful things that I did in terms of that relationship was to um work with a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't actually know that it was abuse until I worked with a therapist. And she yeah. had to literally give me um like an official diagram of like what control and abuse is in a relationship. That's yeah. how much I just didn't believe her when she told me that it was. So I think just like having information, knowing what the signs are, I mean, there's so many great resources from, you know, women's day to rape crisis, And they're really helpful at knowing like, okay, this behavior is actually not okay. Because yeah. I think for so many of us, especially when um you know, that abuse or control is told as like, oh, no, I'm just joking with you. It doesn't mean anything. We just never really know. Mm-hmm. But having that information, if I knew at the time that it was abuse, I think I'd have felt a bit stronger in asking someone to help me to leave. I just had no idea that it was.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for sharing it. And also thank you for kind of showing people that like it. it is the stronger decision to kind mm-hmm. of get out of it. And um, it's, it's as I say, it's a hard sign, does Women. It's a brilliant one at that because I think it really mm-hmm. shows the growth that you took from that moment um so on your second moment is starting the last job I had before I decided to leave to do the job I have now I didn't stay very long and it was the catalyst for the biggest personal and career change of my life so I love this moment already because you've used the word catalyst which we love um so do you want to explain what the job was and why it was such a big sliding doors moment for you
2: Yeah. So I was working at a women's magazine in the UK um, when I just came back from New York and I was there for a couple of years. It was great. But I just always had this sense of like, the next job is the dream one. Mm -hmm. And I was in that like cycle of, I was, almost like linking my unhappiness with all the external things in my life. So I done yep. it with that last relationship. I done it with the, the country that I lived in. It was always, if I'm unhappy, it's because something external is making me unhappy. Yeah. So I was absolutely convinced if I left the job and got a new one, then my life would change. So I found a job and it was like just working in like beauty and product development. And I had like five weeks in between the jobs. And as like an adult, when do we ever get five weeks? Oh,
0: when there's no emails and there's like yeah. nothing attaching you to anything.
2: Yeah. But you know that you're like going to be getting paid in five weeks time. So you yeah. don't have
0: to like worry about looking for work or anything. Exactly.
2: So I was just like, well, I'm going to do all the things I've always wanted to do. So I did a perfume workshop in those five weeks. And the teacher said to me, it was like an experimental perfume club. And she was like, you've got a really great nose. Like you should try making your own perfumes or like essential oil blends. So during this five weeks off in between jobs, I started making my own essential oil blends and it was like to help like myself and my friends sleep or to like for anxiety boosting blends. And I was just like making those in the background and I started this new job and the essential oils were like this like gateway into like all this like deeper spiritual stuff. Yeah. So I was making these essential oil blends and I was like, oh, what's like a chakra? Then I read about chakras and then I did like a Reiki course and I did like a meditation course. And it was all happening in the background was in this new job that I really, really hated. And I hated it mainly because I think I realized that this is not going to be a job that would make me happy mm-hmm. because I wasn't happy.
0: Yeah. And
2: my mental health really suffered during this job. It was just very disappointing. There's like so many things I didn't like, but I was doing all this like other magical stuff in the background. And during that job, I did my Reiki training and I had this huge moment of like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely terrifying because I had to spend like, yeah, like 13 years working in like fashion and beauty. I had every clear sense of where I wanted my career to go and to hear this like voice coming through in a Reiki training, like leave your job behind, be a meditation teacher. <laughs> I was like, absolutely not. I can't do that. Like I'm going to fashion week next week. I'm yeah. not doing this. And I just listened for the first time. I re-listened and I was like, what would life look like if I did do something different? I had such a huge calling and at this time I was doing like a lot of inner work after that breakup and I was just seeing that my life was changing day by day after seeing how rich life felt and how possible it felt for me to do anything that I wanted to do. So when I got out of that job, I was just like, I have to leave mm-hmm. and I had no savings. I was living at home. I had, I didn't, I didn't know if I could do anything, I was just like this, I just can't be here anymore. Yeah. And I left and I just took my time. I did lots of like training courses and I just decided that this would be what I did next was being a spiritual guide and helping people because I just saw firsthand that it changed my life in the most insane ways. I would not have left that relationship. I would not have left that job. I left, I came up like birth control. Like I did all the things in the entire world. And I was just like, this is what life should feel like.
1: Mm-hmm. And it had
2: nothing to do with anything external. For the first time in my life, it was simply because I was journaling, I was meditating, I was giving myself Reiki, I was going to like lots of like spiritual workshops and classes, and I just felt like a different person. But very little externally in my life had changed.
0: Yeah, this is such a brilliant moment. I've got so many questions I want to ask you because I guess so. the The interesting thing is is that you said that you know it was in that in between stage where you just <laughs> did something small and random. and it wasn't kind of like the the light bulb moment didn't happen massively at the beginning you started and you found something that you liked and it grew and then you were like oh and the other thing I kind of wanted to pick up on is I've had a similar situation with the job before which I've spoken about on the podcast and did you feel like as well because I think for me I often felt the pressure of you know working in the fashion industry you need to work for like the best brands and that equals mm-hmm. success. And I never wanted to work for anywhere that people didn't know about because then it wasn't cool. And it wasn't, you know, it didn't make me look like I was doing a great job. Um, And when I started a job that went wrong and that was for something, you know, for someone that everybody knew and was really big. And I realized that it made me unhappy. It was awful. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. It brought this massive realization to me that that isn't what life is about. Life yeah. is about happiness and people. And do you think it's kind of, do, did you have that moment as well of being like mm. yeah I want to you know because I had the same I had dreams when I was younger mm. of wanting to do this stuff but you realize that actually your personal happiness is so much more than yeah. and you can succeed so much more without being in these toxic environments
2: a hundred percent and I think I mean i worked in like a very glamorous industry as you know and I think I always had like endless beauty products under my bed and I would go and see like really nice hotels and press trips and I had, I did really cool stuff and I had to take a step back from that and realize that actually on a day-to-day level, I just was deeply unhappy. Mm -hmm. And I could tell that I was unhappy because I just started neglecting myself. I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't, I didn't exercise for like six months. I just wasn't doing anything. I would just spend the money that I made on trying to make myself feel better. And I just realized that this was not what life was about. And I had no idea what was going to come next. I had literally like 20 pounds in my bank account. And I was the happiest I've ever been because I was just doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It just felt like freedom to me. Um, and like, yeah, that point about it came in this like, very bulby way is such proof to me. I tell people this all the time that your purpose doesn't arrive one day. Yes. Like you can't force it happening. And everyone's always asking all the time, like, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm like, well, it's not going to come in your journal. Like you'll just wake up one day and just try something, kind of just uh-huh. lead and lead and lead. Like all those sliding door moments, it'll just lead you to the next thing. So for me, so like just say you just have to say yes to life. If yeah. I didn't want to do a random perfume workshop, I would not be where I am now, which is insane. It's <laughs> because, but it's so yeah.
0: true. It's so true. And I think um I'm such a big believer in passions because mm-hmm. for me, um, the podcast is my passion. And again, like I would never it. It brings so much to my life. And I talk about this with a lot of my friends is, as you say, when everyone's like, you know, when people are like, oh, I want to find like a hobby or a passion. And they're like, go and do a drawing class and this. And there's all these cliches of what it should be, but it doesn't have to be something like that. It's But you do have to put yourself out there and, you know, you you kind of left your job and then took this Mm -hmm. as kind of your path forward Mm -hmm. but some people they might you know keep the job they have but find something on the side that makes them who they are to then be able to do their job properly and Mm -hmm. and I guess do you again this is another moment for you where kind of something Mm -hmm. that wasn't so great in your life flipped it to be something better and do you think that even what you learned from the first sign doors moment Mm -hmm. helped you to be more confident to make the decision to leave the job
2: yeah. Cause they all, it happened all around the same time. Like yeah. those
1: two
0: were like
2: the engine of that relationship was like when I also left, um, left that job and started doing this work and it all happened because the one thing that was in common was I was just doing the inner work every yeah. single day. I really dedicated myself to just like getting to know myself again. And I remember when I came off birth control and I realized like, I hadn't, I don't even know how my body works. hmm like, I don't know when I'm sad, if I'm really sad. I don't know when I'm happy, if I'm really happy. So it's like this complete stripping back. That's why I use that term all the time of like returning back to myself. That's all that I did in that period of time. I didn't spend any money on that. It was just simply me by myself, journaling, walking around, seeing how I respond and feel about life. And that was the constant. And it was such proof that with like such little, mm-hmm. we can have such huge changes.
0: Definitely. And I guess... I think you always would have been on this path. I think you always would have yeah. found where you are now. But what What do you, again, do you think about, you know, if that perfume workshop hadn't have happened at the yeah. time it did, if you hadn't have taken that job? Do you think you maybe would have stayed longer in the industry and it just would have been prolonged rather than happen at that time?
2: Absolutely. I have no doubt whatsoever. I would, just, I would have just stayed. Mm-hmm. And I think I would probably end up getting out at some point, but I would have just stayed because I mean, like being a beauty writer is like a pretty great job. Yeah. <laughs> um, like it was still fun. I just didn't like working for people. Um, but like I would have probably just stayed and it was a very comfortable, easy life. And had I not had that time just to like say yes to passions, I don't think I would be here.
0: Yeah. Say yes to passions. I think that's the that's the message to take out of that one. Um what a great moment. And it also kind of leads really nicely onto your last one, which is Mm. such a big one for you, which is when um, you went to Atlanta 15 years ago and found a law of attraction book on your auntie's bedside table, which kickstarted my manifesting practice in spiritual belief system and my ability to believe that I could overcome and create my reality. I mean, Mm. wow, this sounds like the the life moment for anyone, but Mm. I fully believe in the law of attraction. Mm. So very into this. So explain kind of where you were in your life before you Mm -hmm. went to Atlanta and then kind of, you know, where were you with yourself, your spiritual journey and then how did it flip from kind of reading that book?
2: Yes, I think it's probably like about 17 years ago. I think I was about 15 when I went and I just had like a lot of trauma in my life before that point. I've been, you know, we were made homeless. I was like sexually abused. Like so much stuff happened um, around the age of 15 and also before that. And I didn't have any real skills of knowing the severity of what I had experienced. And it's like that book, The Body Keeps the Score, right? Like my body Mm -hmm. just sucks all that trauma in until I was like old enough to be able to process and deal with it. But I just knew intuitively that I had had a pretty hard life up to that point. So when I went on that trip, I was just like coasting as like a teenage girl. Like I didn't really have that many worries in the world, but I just knew that something um, wasn't okay. And I've always been like such a reader. Like I read anything. Like if there's a magazine in like asra, I'll pick it up. can't like, I need to always be reading something. Yeah. I just bought a Kindle because I have like my bookshelf is like overflowing. Um. So I was just in my um my aunt's bedroom. When I was on holiday there, and there was like this like pile of like books. They look like like Harry Potter books. So I was just like, I don't know what this is. So I didn't read them for like ages. Yeah. And then I was just like really bored. And I thought, oh, I'll just read it. I think it'll probably have The Secret, like another like Neville Goddard, like Love Attraction kind of book. So I read it from like cover to cover. I stayed up to like four AM reading this book, and I was like, what on earth is this? <laughs> and my mind was just blown. And I read the book like six times over and over again in these like two week periods. And I was just like, this is it. I'm just going to manifest stuff and I had no doubt that I could do it yeah so I was just like sorry with really small things like I manifested like a CD when I was there or something just like really small things and then I was like okay well I gotta do my GCSEs when I get back this will be the real test if I pass my GCSEs then I know that I can manifest stuff and I obviously did pass my GCSEs and I did really well and I was doing all these like affirmations and visualizing stuff and it came at such a perfect time because up to that point, I really felt like a passenger in life. Mm-hmm. I felt like, as you know, a black girl growing up in East London, that I just couldn't get very far. I didn't think that the world was like very big for me.
0: Yeah,
2: everyone in my council estate didn't wasn't doing very much. People were like selling drugs and stuff. I didn't have many role models in my life of like someone having their own business. Like I had yeah. ambition. But I still just always felt like, "Mm, how big can that ambition really be based Mm -hmm. on my life circumstances? So having this book in my hands of like, I can do anything was just pretty epic. And the more that I was able to manifest when I got back to um, the UK, the more proof that I had that like, there's like a whole world that exists that I can potentially make happen for myself when there's no proof that I can make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I just started manifesting from when I was like 15. And honestly, it's changed my entire life because I just believe that I can do anything. I and
0: mean, that's amazing.
2: Yeah. And it's like it was super young. So I've got like, manifesting like, such a huge trend now. And I'm just like, yeah, I've been doing it since I was 15. And I had <laughs> <laughs> I had no doubts. And that's why like now my um, like, lots of my friends always joke about I think I can do anything. I'm like, because I just know that I
1: can.
0: Well, yeah, because you can, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Yeah. And do you think that this, because you'd said before that you were kind of aware of your kind of your spiritual side and mm-hmm. more to your body for when you were a younger age. And you said you, you felt a bit lost up until this point. Yeah. So do you think this was that kind of, again, we've said this a lot of time, like the light bulb, mm-hmm. aha harmony, where you were a bit like, actually, is this how I can use mm-hmm. the powers and the thoughts and the feelings that I have to do something with it?
2: Yes, because I think with like the, premonition-y kind of stuff I was like what is the point of this yeah like how is it going to actually help me and with manifesting I really realized like oh this is such a great tool for me to try things and to see the world in a bigger place and to just like go for opportunities I would never normally go for and I manifested from like 15 and I still obviously do and I think what changed in terms of my actual manifesting practice was when I was doing all the law of attraction and visualizing stuff, it was like quite damaging at some points too, because all the books were just like, you just need to believe it's going to happen. And I was able to see from like, in my twenties, I was like, why am I not manifesting a million pounds? Like, why yeah. is it not happening for me? I've been doing my, my affirmations and visualizations every single day. I'm super grateful. Like, where's my money? And then I was <laughs> like, me. I was just like, why am I not getting my want?" And then I realized very quickly that like, I had lived a life. I had no money growing up. And that's why, you know, in my work that I do now, I'm so adamant that manifesting has to work for all of us because it has to take into consideration like our trauma. Mm -hmm. It has to take into consideration our social and economic realities. Like not everyone's going to be able to manifest a certain amount of money. Yeah. And it's not because of something wrong with you, but it's simply because you've just lived a life and maybe you didn't have any. Um, it's like, I found it really difficult to manifest relationships because I've been in an abusive relationship. And like no manifesting book tells you that there's going to be a you know a correlation between the yeah. two things because it is this belief that like, well, everyone can do it. And it's like it's such a privileged stance to believe that we have to take into account that like, yeah, people will find it very, very, very difficult based on the very real lives that they've had.
0: Yeah. And that's such an interesting point, actually, because I think a lot of people are put off by it because as you say, like you read the secret and the first thing that Mm -hmm. it says is, "is like, if you want a million pounds, you can get it. And you're like, huh, this doesn't work. And actually it's a personal thing. It's personalized and it has to have personalization to it. Um, But I guess, so when you talk about like when you went back and you did your GCSEs, explain to us then how did you manifest? So what does that mean to you when you said kind of, you went back and you realized and you passed your season, you did really well. What did you do to do that? Because it's not just that you think, oh, I'm going to do well. And then you did well. It comes along with work on your side as well.
2: Yeah. I think I remember like I did like a vision board of like all the grades that I wanted to get. And I knew that I had to like still revise. Obviously my mum would not let me get away with that. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I remember just walked around like school all the time, just being like, I've passed everything. And like, I've done really well. And I just, I just had like such unwavering faith and belief that I was going to do well. Yeah,
0: belief, isn't it? Yeah.
2: And like, even like, I was really bad at maths Um, because I was always reading. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I had to get like a maths tutor and I still like, I was pretty like a D or something in maths. And I was just like, no, I'm going to get a B. I'm going to get a B obviously I'm going to get a B and I just had like complete unwavering faith and trust that I would and I got all the grades I put on my vision board and over time as I got older I realized it wasn't just only about like material things because Mm -hmm. I could like manifest like you know gold earrings and like a JD sports bag or whatever but as I got older I realized like actually I can manifest like self-compassion and love and kindness and opportunities Um, Like moving to like New York, I manifested like the exact same apartment that I wanted. So it's like a mix of like realizing that there's like physical, tangible things. But like now I really teach about just being how we see the world around us. Yeah. And that to me feels like a richer way to manifest things.
0: Yeah. And it's all about belief. It's about ambition. And it's about, I think sometimes, as you say, it's about really knowing that anything can happen. So, you know, I'm going to put it out there Mm -hmm. to universe. I want to be on Strictly Come Dancing one day sounds like ridiculous but you never know it could actually happen and it's not that I'm gonna just sit around and say it's gonna happen it's it's all the things and just believing that those things Mm. can happen um and I think as you say manifesting is such a big part of like society these days and everyone Mm -hmm. talks about it and stuff but do you really feel like um you know if you hadn't have read that book at that time of your life Mm. you kind of wouldn't be where you are today and it wouldn't have put you on the journey that you've been on yeah, I
2: think like because of my background, I just didn't think that things would be possible for me. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have any role models. I didn't have anyone who was you know, like a black girl from East London who'd done something really epic. I didn't think that life, there was a life outside of East London. Yeah. I didn't think that I could, you know, be an author and have my own business. I don't know anyone who, who did that. Um, so it taught me self-belief. And someone asked me the other day, they were like, do you think that anyone can do anything they want if they put their mind to it? And I said like, very honestly, I was like, no, very sadly. I said, because we live in an unequal society. Mm-hmm. So I could have really wanted to be the prime minister, but do I think I could be because of my race? No. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, what matters is we're manifesting self-belief. So yeah. I spent a lot of time thinking that, oh, I could never be the prime minister because I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. But now it's like, because. Of course I could be the prime minister. Yes. <laughs> will it Will it actually happen because we're not in an equal society? I don't know. I can't say yes or no to that. Yeah. But I know that like, because I now have self-belief, that's everything. So it's like, you know, some of my clients will say like, I don't believe that I can like have my own business. They might have a business, they might fail epically. But the point is, do you believe that you can and you go and try it? That is what manifesting is to me is that complete self-belief of, yes, of course I can do that.
0: hmm Uh, And it boils back to everything we said. It's like this, the world is spiritual. Anything is possible. It can't Mm -hmm. not be. And yeah, you're right. I think we have to give realistic views to things. We can't tell every child that they're going to become a pop star if they put their mind to it or you're going to be the biggest fashion designer. And as you say, Mm -hmm. but I think for you specifically, what an amazing role model you are to people Mm -hmm. that kind of have been in a similar situation to you growing up to show. And I think that's another big thing is is that Mm -hmm. to show other people that, they can do what they put their mind to. And there is a bigger world outside what they have.
2: For sure. And I think it's like, it's so key that everyone feels that they can access this work. Because like, I know I get, I have so many people who always say like, I've been told to like be positive and I can't do that. And I feel really guilty that I can't manifest this thing when like this person's influences that they can manifest it. And I'm like, you've got some stuff to look at. Mm -hmm. So for me, like manifesting just like a side effect of like us just doing the inner work. And looking at ourselves, changing how we see and respond to the world around us, and that life just feels really possible, and there's like filled with potential as a result of that.
0: Definitely, and one thing that I always do that I think has changed from a law of attraction is I always ask any person I hands me a coffee, hands me whatever. I smile. I ask them how they are is the first thing I do mm. because I think it's also, it also brings it down to kindness. It's like if you put out that nice, positive, kind energy you never know where you're going to get it back. And Mm -hmm. I think it can start with something so, so small of, I remember once my therapist telling me, when you go into a lift with someone, just smile at them and say, hi, how are you? And I was like, I can't do that with someone that I don't know. And they were like, yeah, you can. And you'll be very surprised at what you get back and how it makes you feel. And I think we can all start with small little practices like that. Absolutely.
2: I think it's such a great way to see life. Like, For me, like, yeah, manifesting, doing the inner work is that it just shifts how you see the same world that you're in. So it's like we all have that, you know, for example, if you were bullied when you were a kid at school, then you might not trust girls. If you're bullied by girls at school, you might just not trust women when you grow up. And when you start doing that inner work and self-inquiry, you're like, oh, my God, actually, I can really trust women. So Mm -hmm. you start making really amazing friends. You say hi to women in the street and you're like, your life changes. Yeah. And it's not because people have changed. It's like your perception the world has changed Mm -hmm. so it's like yeah if you walk if you come into every single day like oh my god there's so many amazing people that i might meet today it's so different to being like what a shit world we live in Uh uh-huh but it's like the world hasn't actually changed like you have changed
0: yeah oh giselle i could speak to you for so so long i've absolutely loved our chat and your moments are so they're so relevant but they're so defining and they're so important and thank you for sharing them with us because what you do is brilliant and i think what you do is even more brilliant because you humanize it and you make everybody realize that, you know, anyone can do what you're doing. It just has to be right for them. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been brilliant to chat to you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Giselle. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sliding Doors. If you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring, I would love it if you could rate, review, share and subscribe. Thank you so much.